are genuinely delighted to have with us this morning a number of visitors. We were able to greet you when you came in, and we want you to know that you are welcome. We hope that you'll feel so welcome that you'll want to come back and to worship with us every opportunity that you have to do so. For the month of December, I wanted to, on Sunday mornings, preach on some lessons that I had been thinking about for some time and some things that were maybe very practical in our minds and to make some applications of some areas which need some attention. And I want to begin, and I'm going to use a few personal illustrations if you don't mind. Periodically, we receive checkups or physicals. And the reason why I guess I planned the lesson today is because I have scheduled tomorrow a physical where I have to go in and give blood and uh, have an EKG. And the passage that was read for us just a few moments ago from Luke chapter 5 said that those who are uh, not sick do not need a physician, but those who are sick do need a physician. Our problem is many times we don't realize we are sick We don't realize the needs that we have. You know, in my own personal family, my father died at 52. His brother died at 38. Back in the spring of this year, I had a nephew passed away at 37. All died of heart attacks. So if you look at your own family, you say, is it possible that you may be sick or unaware of it? And for that reason, we have checkups. We have them to check various aspects of our lives. And when you start thinking about there, there are some of those tests that relate to vital signs. Like, for instance, your pulse rate, your temperature, your respiration, your blood pressure. There are certain things that are checked to make sure that you in your vital organs are actually doing well. Well, I'd like to ask a question. If it's possible that I may be sick or potentially sick, and I may be having something going on of which I'm unaware, physically, is it not also important or valuable for me to do that spiritually? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 13, Paul writes, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? You know, we need occasionally to look at our own spiritual lives and see how we stand. Are we spiritually sick or not? So this morning we're going to look at four things. We're going to look at, are you conscious? Number two, how is your heart? Number three, what about your pressure? And number four, are you near death? For just a few moments, let's explore these together. Let's begin, first of all, with the idea, are are you conscious? Last night, Sister Judy Nussbaum called me to tell me about her fall this past week. She explained to me how that after having a CAT scan, she came out and passed out. Fell and broke a couple of teeth, fractured her nose. And I know that as she was coming to, those who were attending to her 
were asking her questions. They're questions that a person who is semi-conscious or maybe coming to consciousness, do you know your name? Do you know where you are? Are you conscious? You know, when you start thinking about that spiritually, are you spiritually conscious? Do you know what's going on in your spiritual life? Or are you in a spiritual coma, oblivious to the events, to the things that are going around about you and how they are affecting you? Well, notice with me what Paul writes in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And do this, knowing that the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I could spend quite a few moments on this passage. But Paul, realizing that the people at Rome were in a world where sin was collecting around about them, he's going to talk about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and not making provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. It's easy to live in a world full of lust to the point where we become spiritually desensitized to sin and what it will do to us. Paul says it's time, high time, to awake out of sleep, to be aware of what's going on. And he says something in the latter part of this verse which ought to capture our attention. For our salvation is nearer than we first believed. It's something right in front of us. And every day that passes by, we come closer to the day when we will depart from this life. And are we ready, are we aware of what is before us? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34 Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Some people are just unaware of what's going on. In Ephesians 5 and verse 14, Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I ask the question, with regards to your spiritual life, are you just simply coasting along, thinking nothing about where this will lead spiritually? In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26, Paul writes, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him, to do His will, to come to our senses. Are you awake? Are you alert? Do you know who you are? Do you know where you are? Do you know where you're going? Number two, how is your heart? You see, our spiritual heart is every bit as important and significant is our physical heart. I mentioned earlier about in my family, heart disease is the number one killer. 
It generally takes those in our family very young in life. And if the heart, blood flow stops, you're going to have a heart attack. And if you have a heart attack, you may not survive. And if you survive, sometimes you survive to a less than desirable life. Spiritually speaking, Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Solomon would say, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I think there's a reason why the Holy Spirit chose to use the heart of man to describe that part of the will, that part of the emotion, that part of the knowledge and understanding to describe the heart because how essential it is to a person's physical life, it is that essential to one's spiritual life. Out of it are the issues of life. In Matthew 12, verse 35, Jesus would say, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. You see, a man's heart, whether it is good or bad, evil, depends upon what comes out of it. When the writer of the book of Hebrews was writing, he knew that there were a lot of people who had been obedient to the gospel. These people had now become second generation, some perhaps even third generation Christians, and that message was not as important to them as it once was. And so when you get to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. You mean that any one of us can develop an evil heart or a bad heart, the one that no longer believes, that no longer trusts, Yes, that's very much a possibility. That's the reason why he encourages them to remain loyal, to keep growing, to have that spiritual exercise. You know, you get to chapter 5, verse 14. He said, even those who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. In Matthew 15, in verse 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. All these bad things come from bad hearts. So take care of the heart you have. Here's our problem sometimes, though. We want to let our own evil hearts direct who we are and what we are. When God was speaking to the children of Judah, the southern kingdom through the prophet Jeremiah, He was trying to tell them the direction they were going was not right. And In chapter 6 He tells them to ask for the old paths and wherein is the good way. And He tells them in chapter 11 and verse 8, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant 
which I commanded them to do, which they've not done. Chapter 16, verse 12. And you have done worse than your fathers, for behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. Everybody's just doing what they want to do. I ask you the question, what about your heart? Do you have a good heart, one that trusts God, one that has the blood flow from that of the Savior into your heart? Number three, what is your pressure? Blood pressure is an indicator of your health. And it can get to a point where it is critical. You may go into the physician's office and they take your blood pressure and it is elevated and they say, this is not good. This can lead to a stroke. can lead to a heart attack. Untreated or not dealt with, it could lead to the point where you damage some of your vital organs. Many times they'll say, let's find out what's causing this pressure. One of the things they will talk to you about is stress. How are you dealing with stress? How are you facing the challenging times of your life? For just a few moments, let me talk to you about some people who faced some stress and stood up under it well. For instance, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, whom we know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you go to Daniel chapter 3... Nebuchadnezzar had constructed this huge image. And this image was something that he expected everyone to bow down before. Do you know there were some Jews who were put under pressure? Are you going to bow down and thus maybe risk your life? Or are you not going to bow down and or not, not bow down and risk your life, or bow down and risk your spiritual standing with God. From Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. You see, for them, it was a matter of choice. They had already decided what they would do, and so the pressure was not moving them. These guys stood up really strong under a situation of stress and pressure. Let me give you even a better illustration than that of Jesus, Matthew chapter 26. I cannot imagine the depth of the suffering of our Savior on that night and morning in which he was crucified. We began reading in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 59. 
Now the chief priests, the elders, and the, all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and able to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under an oath. By the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. They spat in his face and beat him and struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? We could go on and read more, but I think you get the point. Here's our Lord being threatened with death. False witnesses being suborned against him. And what does he do? He answers nothing. And even when he is compelled to answer, gives a very basic and simple answer. Our Lord stood strong under the pressure. Our Lord taught others to do that as well. When you come to Acts 7, verse 54 through 60, you find Stephen emulating the same kind of resolve that our Lord had. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he said this, he fell asleep. You talk about being put under pressure. Here's a man who had remained true and strong to the convictions of what he knew was right. How he preached it, knowing that it was creating animosity toward those who were hearing him. But here's a man who, with this calm resolve, said, Father, do not charge them with this sin. Paul himself 
later on found himself being put under pressure. And he said in Acts 20, verses 22 through 24, And I see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying the chains and the tribulations that await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let me ask you, how well are you standing up under the stresses of this world and of this life? When you think about your spiritual health, young people, you're being confronted daily with the challenges at your schools. Those of you who are working at jobs. You're faced with your fellow workers, many of them who use foul language, many of them who speak about things of which they ought not speak. You see, we're, we're all confronting a difficult world, but... How are you standing up under that pressure? Do you have a calm resolve that trust in God, come what may? How are you handling your spiritual stress? Number four, are you near death? There are times when people get to the very last stages of life. I remember very vividly, almost five years ago now, on January the 23rd, 2010, sitting with my mother, seeing her draw her last breath. And I remember as the nurses came in very patiently and quietly and would check her vital signs and to see them slowly dissipating away. You know, when you look in the Bible, you can see people who were very near death. In 2 Kings chapter 20, in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. When Paul wrote the Philippians, one of the most precious people in the world to him was a man by the name of Epaphroditus. And he was from that area. Paul said, for indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You see, here's a problem. Many people are very near death. Close to it in time, in a very critical condition. Let me ask you, spiritually speaking, are you near death? You know, when you start thinking about death and sin, spiritual death, John wrote in 1 John chapter 5, verse 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, 
And he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say you should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there's a sin not leading to death. You see, the sin unto death or the sin that is not unto death depends upon whether or not a person persists in it. It depends upon whether or not a person continues to keep committing that sin. You know, sad to say there are some people who have picked up some habits that they don't break them, don't kill them. That's a sad reality. There's some people who have picked up some spiritual habits. And if they don't stop it, they're going to cause their spiritual death. In fact, some have already died spiritually. I can give you a several illustrations. Let me just give you three of them very quickly. In Matthew 8 and verse 22, when Jesus is asking someone to follow him, he said, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. He's talking about those who are dead spiritually burying those who are dead physically. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 6, talking about a widow who's young, who's going about doing things she ought not. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives, dead spiritually while she's alive physically. To the church at Sardis, Revelation 3 verse 1, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, you're dead. I don't know, there may be people here this morning you're already spiritually dead. You're here just because your mama, your daddy wanted you to be here. Or your husband, your wife wanted you to be here. You've been conjoled, pressured. But as far as your, your love for the Lord, your concern for what's right, you could care less. You're dead, spiritually speaking. Thanks be to God that you can be revived. You know, many times people who find themselves at death's door. Several years ago, Brother Don McWhorter came here, and I don't know if many of you remember, but he wore two pair of glasses, one pair right on top of another. And he related what had happened to him. He had gone and had open heart surgery. Surgery had gone well. And uh, they were letting him go from the hospital. He was up brushing his teeth. He passed out. His heart stopped. They laid him back in the bed. They began CPR. They gave him the shots of the various medicines to try to bring him back. They shocked him. Nothing would happen. Immediately they called his cardiologist who was actually just across the highway from where he was at just as soon as he coated. By the time his cardiologist arrived, they were just pulling the sheet up over his head. The cardiologist said, let's give him more of this medicine. And they said, well, we've already given him the maximum. She said, do it anyway. 
just as soon as they stuck his heart, it started right back. And Brother McWhorter said the only negative effect that he had had was, he said, I can't see well now, so I'm wearing two pairs of glasses till I can get my glasses fixed. I've often thought about how much good Brother McWhorter did after that resuscitation. I want you to listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, verse 5. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. I really believe that if I was the one brought back from the throes of death, I'd feel like grace has been given to me. Do you realize that all of us deserve spiritual death? But thanks be to God that, it, that there is that blessing in Him. Now, obviously, if you know your vital signs are weak, you need to go to the great physician, to the one who is able to resuscitate you, give you strength, give you health, in fact, we all ought to desire that spiritual health. In 3 John, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Will you take out your songbook now? Let's prepare to sing this invitation song. If you are not a Christian, you're dead spiritually. I don't know if you recognize that fully or not, but if no changes are taking place in your life, then you will not make it to heaven. But the Lord is offering you spiritual health. You become a child of God because of your faith, you repent of your sins. You confess Him and then be baptized. If you're one of God's children and you're on life support, now it's time for you to come back and make things right. Would you come while we stand and sing?